Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. Welcome back. No one is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. You missed anything? No ESPN MT app. Sorry, I just keep doing that. It's a reminder for you guys to know that it exists. It's also a reminder for me to tell you don't go on there right now because we're not on there. But Chris Hockey will be on there each of the next three days. It'll be on there at 5.15 tomorrow. Uh, 8.15 on Friday, and then uh, 12.15 in the afternoon on Saturday. So a ton of Grizz hockey coming up for you on the ESPN MT app, and then we'll be back on the ESPN MT app uh, next week. Miss anything in the first hour of the show, you can always find it on the Nuanas Now podcast. Podcast, probably presented by Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot has this new uh, Wi-Fi accelerator for small businesses. It's called Smart Biz. Go to goblackfoot.com and click on the small business section to learn more. No Honest Now podcast also presented by the M Store, where they're all grids all the time, and the MSU Bookstore. Visit msubookstore.org. It's time now for our ESPN Roundtable, proudly presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. Paradise Falls, great place for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You can gather there with family and friends alike. Very family-friendly, a wonderful and very welcoming staff, and a menu with variety for everybody. It's a Wednesday, and Prime Rib Night is back at Paradise Falls. So if you want a cut of some delicious Prime Rib, head on down there. But uh, better act quick because they just serve it each week until it's gone. They just cook one of them. So uh, Prime Rib Night's back at Paradise Falls on Wednesdays. The guest on this week's ESPN Roundtable is Bill Moose. He was the athletic director at Montana uh, in the late 80s and into the early 1990s. He went on to then have great success uh, in his post-Montana career, uh, with stops at Oregon and Washington State and Nebraska, he certainly was a uh, a recognizable figure and, and, and uh, someone that was beloved around the city of Missoula. He's a really entertaining and well-spoken and fun guy to just be around and talk to. Um He's our ESPN Roundtable guest. We, we could have done ESPN Roundtable on so many different subjects with Bill Moose. But he's our guest this week because Betsy Dirksen is going into the Grizz Athletics Hall of Fame. She was the original soccer coach at Montana, brought women's soccer uh, 
to the table. And Bexie Durskin going to the University of Montana Hall of Fame this week. So Andrew's doing this podcast all about the uh, Grizz soccer team and their origin. So, I mean, anything to set this up with, Andrew, or should we just roll it? No, I can set it up. Uh, yeah, just wanted to, to highlight a little bit, not only is Bexie, Betsy Dirksen going into the Hall of Fame this year, next year is going to be the 30-year the anniversary. So I've been gathering interviews sort of all summer from members of that team, from, from Betsy herself, from people in the administration, just trying to tell a story of what happened with that team. Uh, barring unforeseen, pre, heretofore unforeseen technical difficulties, should have the first episode of that podcast out this weekend, uh, but knew that I needed to talk to Bill Moose about it because he was the athletic director at that time, and he has perspective that just nobody else has on you know why they put this team together in the first place, what it was like building a team uh, from scratch. So so Bill was kind enough to give me you know a little bit over thirty minutes today, uh, just talking about that. Let's roll it. ESPN Roundtable this week. Great interview for you. We're joined now by Bill Moose, the former Montana Athletic Director. Bill was in charge of the athletic department at the University of Montana from 1990 to 1995. Why are we doing this this week, you ask? Well, Bill was, uh, of course, greatly involved with the founding of the women's soccer program at Montana, which got off the ground in 1994, and the first head coach of that team, Betsy Dirksen, being inducted into the Grizzly Sports Hall of Fame this weekend. So Bill, who went on to a long and distinguished career of being an athletic director out here in the West, kind enough to join us and give us some time to talk about those years when they were just getting that Montana Grizzlies women's soccer program off the ground. Bill, first of all, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely happy to do it. And uh, may I please say hello to all my Grizzly friends, uh, Love uh, the University of Montana and that great state, and uh, try to get back every summer for some fly fishing and and uh, maybe say hello to a few of my old coaches and friends around the community. So happy to join you today. Well, give us the update on you first, Bill. What are you up to these days? <laughs> well, I need to go back to work to, so I can get some rest. This retirement is uh, is. Uh, uh, any, anything but restful. Um, but we, uh, we bought some land, uh, 20 years ago and, uh, about five years later, and this is in Eastern Washington, uh, built a, uh, working cattle ranch there and, uh, uh, ran it, uh, all the time that, uh, we were retired for a couple of years after Oregon and before we went to Washington State. And then even while uh, we were in Pullman, we kept it and had it operating and then sold our herd when we uh, took the Nebraska job. So we're back kind of toying with that a little bit and uh, spending a lot of time with our uh, seven grandchildren and our five actual children. And, uh, hey, it's keeping, keeping us all busy. Well, Bill Moose, our guest today on the ESPN Roundtable, uh, he went on to become the athletic director, as he mentioned, at Oregon, at Washington State, and then at Nebraska before retiring in 2021. But uh, your first job as an athletic director was at Montana from 1990 to 1995. 
And what we wanted to talk about today is just the, the process of beginning the women's soccer team. Betsy Dirksen, the first head coach of that women's soccer team here in Missoula, going into the Grizzly Sports Hall of Fame this weekend. The team celebrating their 30th anniversary, I guess, next year because they started playing in 1994. But from your perspective as an, an administrator and as the head of the athletic department, can you just describe what it, what it was like those years leading up to 1994 when they started play? I mean, when did you know that you were going to be starting a soccer team at Montana? Well, uh, not long after my arrival, as you said, in 1990, uh, we were really uh, assessing where we were in regards to Title IX. And um, though Title IX was really initiated uh, about 20 years earlier, it really didn't get its legs and a, a real good bite for 10 or 15 years later. And, and, uh, we were out of compliance in regards to opportunities, uh, for women, uh, as compared to men, which, uh, by title nine standards, uh, had to be in the same, uh, percentage, the same ratio as the undergraduate enrollment. So, uh, I had some of my people and I was very much involved myself. And of course, would make the final decision. But look at various sports and uh, uh, what direction we might go to add uh, opportunities for young women. And uh, at the end of the day, soccer made the most sense. Uh, there, it was getting very popular uh, around the country, and actually uh, quite a bit also, right and more specifically in the state of Montana. So. Uh, we looked at that quite closely and, and made the decision that that was the direction we were going to go. And uh, then there was a whole checklist of things we had to do. Uh, we had to, of course, find the funds to uh, support it. We didn't have a facility, so we needed to to uh, develop a plan uh, in regards to a place for them to, uh, our, our young women to uh, practice and compete, and of course, very important was uh, finding a a uh, qualified coach to lead the program, uh, and uh, that that's where we were when we started to do the search to find our first head coach. When did you start the search for for the coach? You know, it's it's been uh, thirty years, and I think I can recall fairly well, but. Uh, we were putting this whole uh, plan into effect about a, a year earlier and maybe even a little bit more. Um, and, uh, uh, of course, you, you post these things. You, you put out uh, uh, what the job responsibilities are and the qualifications we were looking for. And we, we knew, of course, it was a startup program. Uh, and... Uh, you typically aren't going to get a sitting coach in a Division One athletic program to uh, jump right into something that's been untested and the amount of work that's involved to get, get any program off the ground. Uh, so uh, we, we started to uh, advertise it and, and uh, worked very hard to uh, determine who uh, we might want to have as finalists, and and then, of course, in the end, uh, to uh, offer the position to. 
Well, and we'll talk a lot about Betsy Dirksen, who you eventually settled on for that head coaching job, but were there discussions as well with the conference around that time that the conference was going to be starting women's soccer? Because I know the the Big Sky Conference didn't have soccer back then. And were there discussions as well with Montana State? Because Montana State eventually, I think, ended up starting a women's rodeo team, and they they still don't have women's soccer. Yeah, and that those are the things that... Uh, uh, or can be concerning, uh, but we felt that there was a chance that uh, that women's soccer would get some legs in the Big Sky Conference. Uh, now the the conference had a a, a bit of a different uh, look back then. Uh, Idaho was in it. You know, they left as as all our fans know for a period of time. We also had. University of Nevada in Reno and Boise State, all part of uh, the Big Sky. It was a tremendous conference and still is. And uh, so we did uh, extensive uh, visits with our our peers in the Big Sky and felt that there was um, uh, uh, interest. Also, in most at most of these universities within the conference there was a need again to comply with title nine and and uh um, we went ahead and like we did so many times at the university of montana and still are doing uh wanted to be in the forefront and be out in front and uh as it turned out uh we we uh certainly did and gosh look at the great things that are happening with that program today do you remember why uh, it was back then that Title Nine, the Title Nine compliance started becoming a bigger deal? Why Title Nine got a little bit more bite, as you as you said? Yeah, it. Uh, you know, people were, were still feeling their way through it, uh, and um, you know, I I I talk about that uh, in in visits I have with uh, various media outlets that you know it, it, Title Nine actually. Uh, went into effect or was passed uh, in it, while I was still a student athlete um, playing football at Washington State University. And, um, you know, back in those days, uh, the only women in our sports complex were secretaries. Uh, and look how far we've come. And uh, having three daughters myself and, uh, and, and, and four granddaughters, it's... Uh, it, it's inspiring and very satisfying to see all the opportunities they have right now. But it took a while back then for people to kind of navigate through the whole thing. And then there started to be some penalties and, and other things uh, as uh, as the gender equity piece was, was being addressed nationally. And... Uh, we again, people were. It was a little bit ambiguous of what you had to do, and through you know to comply. Through the years, there became the three prong approach, and all these things that uh, I was involved with in in my thirty years uh, as a as a Division One athletic director. And and um, it's it's really uh, today as we speak has really I think. Um, uh, evolved into something that's just a part of intercollegiate athletics and college education as a whole. But, uh, you know, it was basically 20 years after uh, the decision was made uh, in, I believe, 1972 
um, that uh, the, these requirements were going to be uh, adhered to, and if they if they weren't, uh, universities and colleges risk losing uh, federal support, and uh, that would be devastating. So this is when uh, you saw a lot of women's programs uh, uh, start. Uh, getting attached to universities and, and colleges around the country. And sadly, it was also when you saw many men's programs uh, being deleted and being dropped. And, uh, you know, I, uh, wrestling took a, a tremendous hit, uh, men's swimming, men's gymnastics. Uh, and I never felt uh, that the intent uh, of Title IX was to take some opportunities away from one gender in order to provide them for the other. But uh, the uh, sad truth is, uh, in order to balance budgets and so forth, that had to happen. Uh, So fortunately, at the University of Montana, we did not have to drop any men's sports. And uh, there were requirements uh, uh, within the conference that uh, you had to, and, and the NC2A, that you had to have so many men's and women's sports to be eligible for membership. So it was a tightrope. And uh, fortunately, uh, at the University of Montana, we had the support of then President George Dennison, who was fabulous to work for and uh, a true grizz inside and out and, and uh, tremendous uh, uh, asset to the the university and, and alumni and friends in the Missoula community and the entire state. And uh, we found ways uh, within the means that we had, and there weren't a lot of those, but also within the community, especially when it came to um, constructing a, a, a facility to practice and compete in, uh, always the people of Missoula and, and up and down the, the Bitterroot Valley there and actually throughout the state uh, came to our aid and helped us and gifts in kind and uh, cash donations and so forth. And um, that's one reason why we were able to start up and become successful uh, fairly early. And of course, the other piece of that was uh, the, the quality of coach that we ended up uh hiring at Montana in 1994. Bill Moose, former Montana Athletic Director, joining us for the ESPN Roundtable this week on Nuanez Now to talk a little bit about how the women's soccer team at the University of Montana came into being back there in the early 1990s. And Bill, let's talk about that. What was the coaching search like? You ended up hiring Betsy Dirksen. What do you remember about her when she was an applicant for the job? And what do you remember about the process well, uh, there was a, a great deal of interest. Um, again, we were uh, in in the NC two A still kind of uh, in in many cases uh, walking before we could run in regards to really uh, getting things aligned in regards to opportunities, budgets, salaries, etc. Um, but uh, as I recall, and again, nearly 30 years ago, um, when when we laid it all out, and I had members of my staff, of course, assisting me, uh, one being our senior women's administrator, Kathy Noble, who uh, was an outstanding asset, very knowledgeable, and uh, 
and and very good to work with um uh was was very much involved in this as well as as well as some others and uh when when as i recall when when we laid it all out and and uh i i was intrigued with betsy dirksen uh, for a number of reasons, and I wanted to get an opportunity to um, get to know her and get a feel for her. And uh, well, once I did, uh, it, it didn't take long for her to rise above the others for um, several reasons. And uh, and uh, I, I think I'll get into that right now. She Betsy had uh, great knowledge of the sport. Having been uh, a participant at the college level and also coaching in the college level, uh, she uh, was a proven recruiter and had a tremendous knowledge of the Pacific Northwest. And uh, at that time and still, uh, uh, the, the state of Washington was producing very, very fine uh, young women soccer players. Uh, that were being recruited uh, really uh, up and down the West Coast and some across the country. And uh, Betsy and her, her ties with the Seattle area and the state of Washington uh, was very appealing in that regard. Um, I could tell she was a fierce competitor uh, and a disciplinarian. And any anyone who's ever played for Betsy... Uh, I think would would uh, agree with me in that regard. And the the biggest thing I think that that really uh, uh, struck me was her energy. And anytime you're going to start a program from scratch, uh, you got to get up a little earlier in the morning and go to bed a little later at night, uh, and and really uh, have the energy that uh, can go uh, nonstop. Uh, to attract uh, a roster, and of course, we had the scheduling uh, challenges as well. As you said, the the Big Sky did not offer uh, women's soccer as a as a conference sport, so we had to uh, put that together. And while we were building the the uh, field and locker rooms were being finished and all of that, Betsy um, uh, really. In, in in my opinion, and I had the final say, uh, was the perfect fit at that time, and she proved it. What I remember is that she was looking to move on from coaching because she was moving with her husband to the state of Montana for his job, and she was leaving her coaching job at Seattle University. Just just how, how heaven-sent was that opportunity? Well, and that's a good point, uh, that... That was obvious that that they uh, had a fondness for Montana, and uh, I believe uh, they were uh, headed over to Bozeman uh, or somewhere in the Gallatin Valley there. Um, and uh, she expressed her her excitement uh, to uh, live in Montana. So that was a big piece of it too. Uh, you know, my family uh, we love Montana. And uh, the five years that we were fortunate enough to spend there, uh, it was uh, marvelous. And we still think of it as home in many regards. But I could tell with Betsy that she had that same uh, feeling of, uh, hey, this is big sky country. This is special. This is, this is, this is, 
how the West was and still is, and the people are so fabulous. And and that uh, is important for a couple of reasons. And, and then I'll get right to the core of your question. Uh, if, if you're going to hire somebody uh, to start up a program, uh, it, 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 it's very important, if possible, that they don't get the the uh, program going and get it on its feet and successful, and then they leave and go somewhere else. Um, it may be a, a, a more attractive opportunity. I had the feeling that Betsy would stay uh, for quite some time because uh, she looked she loved Montana and she liked uh, uh, the people of Montana. But to answer your question directly, uh, she still had a spark in her. And uh, I don't think she was ready to uh, finish coaching. I really think that she was uh, following her husband to Montana, the state of Montana. And uh, when this opportunity came up, hey, uh, maybe she could enjoy Montana and uh, still um, follow her passion to be a college coach. For you as an administrator, it's Bill Moose, former athletic director at the University of Montana, joining us on the ESPN Roundtable to talk a little bit about the founding of the women's soccer team here at the University of Montana and the hiring of Betsy Dirksen, who, of course, is going into the Grizzly Sports Hall of Fame this weekend. For you as an administrator, you mentioned the three big obstacles, or I guess the three big challenges that you had were finding the funding, finding a place to play, and, of course, finding a coach. Were there any other obstacles or challenges from an administrative standpoint that maybe people wouldn't realize when it comes to starting a new team? Well, those are three basics. And then we did talk um, a moment or two ago about the scheduling. Um, And uh, the other piece uh, that is very important and uh, one of the things that I, I really admired uh, about what we had at the University of Montana and, and, and that they still have today is that family feeling. Um, uh, when I was there, and, and it's still the case, but I, I took great pride in the fact that uh, we, we had a championship mentality. And, uh, you know, uh, by the time... Uh, I was finishing up there. Don Reed uh, was in the process of winning a national championship uh, with Grizzly football. Um, I I had hired Blaine Taylor, who I still believe is the winningest coach uh, in basketball, men's basketball. And you got to you know point out Mike Montgomery and Judd Heathcote and uh, and and many other uh, great great. Uh, men's basketball coaches along the way. And then uh, maybe one of the finest coaches I ever had the opportunity to work with, uh, of course, Robin Selvig, uh, who uh, is a household name across the country when it comes to women's basketball and the the Lady Grizz brand. So that was a close-knit group. And you uh, uh, and, and they openly accepted Betsy. They could tell that she had uh, uh, the makings of not only being successful, but being a, a good a good member of the family. And uh, uh, that was another piece that was very, very important. So 
she stepped right in and and my other coaches who were already winning at a pretty good clip were impressed by uh, again her energy and her desire to be successful and to do it uh as as quickly but appropriately as possible and and uh again she did and she was welcomed with open arms and uh became you know a championship caliber coach just like the ones i mentioned and several others and then for you in the in the athletic department a lot of work that goes into the building of this team happens i would say probably most the majority of the work happens before they ever take the field what was it like for you for the rest of the department as you're seeing them take the field in that fall of 1994 what was that first year what do you remember from that first year well a lot of things that the the average person wouldn't think of all had to be addressed um the uh, media piece of it who's how are we going to promote uh advertise and market this new program, uh, how are we going to get the community involved and in regards to, uh, buying tickets and, and attending, uh, the events. Uh, then there's the, the training room, the equipment room. Uh, when you add more athletes, uh, you need more equipment. You, uh, uh, you, you might need another trainer or somebody's going to have to take on more responsibilities. Uh, there's the travel costs, uh, the cost of scholarships. Um, there, there's uh, a variety of things that, that uh, uh, most people don't stop to realize. Uh, the academic piece of it, uh, who's going to be in charge of making sure that these young women are moving towards their degrees and, and being eligible. Uh, all of these things had to be laid out discussed and assigned and uh, put into the overall plan. Um, And again, I had an outstanding staff. Uh, When I think about the budget we worked with back then as compared to ones I was fortunate enough to to, uh, uh, lead down the road after my my years with the Grizz, um, it was amazing. Um, and something I, I hold very dear that, uh, uh, you know, most of our coaches shared secretaries. They, they shared, uh, that piece of, of support. Um, we, we had maybe three trainers, uh, two guys, uh, in the, in the equipment room. Um, and everybody worked overtime. Uh, it, it, it was, uh. It, it, it was uh, inspirational and, and still is to me to see uh, back then uh, young people get on a beach bus uh, and and travel eight to ten miles to compete in a conference uh, game or, or, or match and never think twice about it. Um, they uh, were just excited to have an opportunity to compete and uh they love their school they love their sport and uh, i gotta say in the five years i was there they loved their coaches and uh and that included betsy when she became a part of the family and then of course betsy dirksen goes on to have a, a great record of success at the university of montana bill moose who we're talking to here for the espn roundtable former athletic director at the university of montana 
left UM after just a year or two of that soccer program being in existence. He left in 1995. But, of course, Betsy Dirksen goes on to become a hugely successful coach at the University of Montana, and that, that program's success has, has continued on. I mean, they just won the Big Sky Conference regular season title over the weekend again. What do you think about the groundwork that she laid at that program that's allowed for them to be successful more or less consistently over over the next 30 years? Well, uh, I've always said it's one thing to get there and another thing to stay there. Um, it's much more difficult to be the hunted than it is the hunter. And Betsy established being the hunted <laughs> right off the bat, in a, and especially once the conference picked up um, women's soccer. Uh, and I, I was so excited because I, I followed, of course, the Grizzlies and still do, uh, and the, the, the great work that those coaches do and the fabulous student-athletes and the administrators. Um, and uh, the whole mentality of that program is we are champions, not just hit and miss. We're going to be contenders every year. And uh, Betsy did that within a year or two. Um, and I, I, when I was down in Eugene and uh, leading the, the Oregon program, I smiled every time I looked back at that entire program. But really with, with Betsy, and uh, most people probably don't know it, but uh, we started uh, the first women's soccer program at the University of Oregon while I was there too. And I think it was later in the 90s if I recall, uh, for the same reason, uh, it was a, a, a Title IX piece and also uh, the the need and desire of high school uh, young women soccer players to have a have an opportunity to further their skills and and education. So um, I'm proud to say that I, I I was able to start two women's soccer programs during my career. And, um, and both of them became very successful, but, uh, uh, you know, Betsy, Betsy could have coached anywhere and what she accomplished, uh, at the university of Montana, uh, she could have gone into the PAC 12, the, the big 12, the big 10 anywhere. Cause she had the full package and, uh, uh, I ran into her, my wife, Kendra and I ran into Betsy, um, in West Seattle, and I'm going to say it was maybe eight or ten years ago, and it was um, it, it was so wonderful. We were out uh, walking, I believe we were riding bikes, and she was too, and uh, she recognized me, and I was so glad she did, and we, I bet we talked for 30 minutes, and I honestly feel that uh, uh, Betsy felt that... Um, uh, her her coaching career had been successful, and that she was uh, pleased, proud, and and uh, confident that that uh, that she went out a, a winner. But she she was a, a a wonderful wife and mother, and that was uppermost in her mind. I could tell that in our conversation, and it was just so wonderful to see somebody that. Um, Maybe I had a, a, a small bit to do with uh, her career path. Um, 
uh, stopped me and thanked me for that opportunity. And I thanked her uh, quite profusely as well for the great job she did. Well, there you go. It's Bill Moose, who was the head of the athletic department at the University of Montana in the early 1990s, guy who a lot of people in Missoula will remember fondly, joining us for the ESPN Roundtable to talk about Betsy Dirksen, who was the first head coach in the history of the women's soccer team here at the University of Montana, and to talk about just getting that program started. Betsy Dirksen, of course, going into the Grizzly Athletics Hall of Fame this Friday. Bill, uh, kind enough to join us and give us a little bit of context about that time, about that team, uh, and about Betsy Dirksen herself. Bill, it was great talking with you. I'm glad that we were able to connect, but thank you so much for your time. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Well, I did too, and uh, again, my congratulations to Betsy and all the inductees. I Again, I'm proud to say that... Uh, um, the, the Athletic Hall of Fame was established when I was the athletic director at the University of Montana, and uh, it, it's all a part of what I, I've always believed is important to honor the past while living the present and creating the future. And uh, my very best to Betsy and uh, all my friends at the University of Montana and Missoula. And, uh, hey, go Grizz! Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. When it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice, and that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, we handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days, and that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultilaw.com. Rewind is now on ESPN Radio. It's supposed to be like 8 degrees in Missoula on Friday. And uh, about a couple degrees warmer, a variety of other places around the state of Montana. No high school football in the Garden City on Friday, but several Garden City teams will be playing this weekend. Sentinels on the road at Great Falls High. Big Sky's on the road at Billings West. And Loyola's on the road in Shepherd. A couple other cities that will be hosting games include the capital city, Helena, Montana. Helena High. Uh, they host Billings Skyview on Friday night. Well, the playoffs are here. Crazy how fast it went. And what a race it was in the Western AA this year. Five out of the six teams that make the playoffs out of the West in the mix for the number one seed until the last weekend of the regular season. And the way it all played out, pretty darn interesting. We're joined now by a man who coaches the team that really turned the corner uh, the second half of the year and comes into the playoffs as one of the hottest teams in the state of Montana. It's Helena High head coach, Dane Broadhead. Coach, thanks so much for joining us, man. How you doing? Yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me. Just uh, getting ready to go out and brace the elements for practice today. 
exciting time of year. Like you said, you blink twice and it's playoff time and we're hosting a first round game against Skyview and we're, uh, we're pretty fired up for it. Well, first of all, start there. I mean, what's the weather like in Helena? We're coming to you from Missoula. We got uh, a nice little ice storm last night. So that was an abrupt end <laughs> to what's been a beautiful fall. Right. Yeah. No, it, uh, it was nothing but nice. You know, we had the one bad weather game, our crosstown game outside of that. It was beautiful all fall. And we woke up to about a foot of snow and it's, uh, let me see here, 19 degrees right now. So yeah, we're into the, into the thick of it, man. It feels like playoff time. Well, just take us through your team's uh, run this year, especially uh, the second half of the year. Because I know you had one of the toughest non-conferences in all the West, had to play Bozeman and Billings West right out the gate. And then you also had to play Glacier and Capital, the top two seeds from the West, uh, in September. But then since it turned to October, you guys have been red hot, won five in a row, including beating Missoula Big Sky 16-10 to last week. So what was the turning point for your team? How are you guys able to uh, get it rolling and, and uh, come into the playoffs with such a hot streak? Yeah, I think it was one of those things, you know, we looked at the schedule early on and we knew we were going to get tested and, and we did, you know, the non-conference was tough. We played two really good teams, you know, two out of the top three teams in the East and then had the tough stretch, you know, the Glacier Capital uh, back-to-back where, quite frankly, we didn't, didn't play particularly well, didn't coach well enough to win those games. So, uh, but then just kind of right at the ship after that, you know, I think outside looking in, you know, maybe people were kind of wondering what was going on with Helena High or this or that. But inside the building, you know, nobody panicked. We still knew we were a good football team, knew we had a lot of work to do, and, and just kept grinding. And that's a credit to our guys and our coaches for for writing the ship. And, and yeah, it's been a good uh, last few weeks coming down the backstretch. Dave Broadhead here on Nuwana's Now ESPN Radio. He's the head coach of Helena High. The Bengals finished the regular season. Uh, as the number three seed out of the West, they host building Skyview on Friday night there in the capital city. Um, how about just the West in general? I mean, five out of the six teams that made the playoffs from the West were in the mix for the number one seed all the way down the stretch. And if you did a who beats who, I think everybody beat everybody at some point during the, the Western AA race. So what would you think of that? How do you think that prepares you guys for the playoffs? Yeah, I think it, it, it does nothing but benefit us. You know, there's some really good teams, obviously. Um, super competitive games, especially down the stretch. And, yeah, that last week was kind of fun to see how it all played out. And, no, I think it's just a benefit for us. You know, we've kind of been there, done that, faced some adversity and had a couple rough weeks and, and had some really good weeks and weeks we haven't played well and, and learned a lot from that. And uh, I, I like where we're at, you know, obviously going into the playoffs. Uh, one uh, element of your team that I followed all year, because I got to actually meet the young man at Marty Mortowake's quarterbacks camp. Coach Marty does a weekly radio segment with us during the fall, but uh, Carter Kraft was there, and I was impressed with him, just his savvy and, and uh, fundamentals and all that, watching him at the camp, and then got to interview him and, and had him on the show, and, and a really good young man. So um, just having a senior quarterback, I mean, what sort of uh, leadership and performance has he provided to your team this year? Yeah, it's huge. You know, you feel pretty comfortable with that. Anytime you return a, a kid like Carter with, with his acumen and, and knowledge of the game and, like you said, his leadership and intangible stuff that he has. And obviously he's a heck of a quarterback on top of all of that. So, um, you know, he's he's just a calming presence for us. You know, a kid who's kind of been there and done that and been through a lot of a lot of different scenarios and situations. And he's played really well for us down the stretch. So look to uh, obviously continue that and you know, having him play, play in the quarters last year against Gallatin, that's just going to benefit him. And, you know, and obviously nice to have a player of his, his caliber behind center. 
We'll talk about this matchup then. Billing Skyview is certainly a program that took its lumps, and I think they had a 19-game losing streak at one point. But they, I, I watched them the very first week of the season against Sentinel, and I thought, wow, this team is w- much improved. They have a lot of good young talent, and they play really, really hard. And uh, now, you know, put a couple wins together, and they're into the playoffs for the first time in several years. So uh, what do you think of the challenge that you guys face on Friday? Yeah, absolutely. I know it's it's got to be exciting for them to be back in the playoffs and you know, Coach Wall and his staff do a really good job. Like you said, they play extremely hard. Um, they're pretty multiple. They do a lot of different things on offense and defense that, that kind of presents a challenge to, to prep for. It's a lot to get ready for. And, um, you know, like you said, they're playing a lot of younger kids and, and you know, obviously have a lot of experience at this point. Nobody's a, a rookie out there, if you will, by week 10. So, um, yeah, we, uh, we're going to continue to have a great week of practice and, and get ready for the, for the Falcons on Friday. Uh, just keys uh, keys in this matchup? I mean, what sort of things do you guys need to slow down or mitigate uh, when it comes to what Billy Skyview does and uh, what sort of things do you guys need to do to, to come out on top? Yeah, I think, you know, anytime you get this time of year and you start looking at the forecast and how that's going to play into it, you know, weather's a huge thing and, and turnovers are obviously an important piece, you know, especially in the playoffs, they're huge. you got to take care of the football. Uh, you got to create turnovers on defense. Uh, got to play great special teams, take care of the ball. Um, you know, field position thing is a, is a big, big deal. You know, it's, it's an understanding that punting sometimes is, is not the enemy. You know, if you can flip fields and, you know, um, take care of the field position stuff. So, so those are keys for us. You know, obviously we've got to be able to run the ball too if it's, if it's going to be, you know, supposed to be somewhere around 10, 15 when we kick off. So running the football, taking care of it, staying in front of the chains, and then winning on third down is, is critical this time of year. We gotta love it. You gotta love when the weather turns. It's certainly uh, uh, one of the most fun parts about uh, high school football in the state of Montana. Dane Broadhead, the head coach of Helena High, they host Billing Skyview, first round of the Class AA playoffs. Uh, last thing, then, coach. I mean, the best part about this is now anybody can win it, and uh, you know why not us? I think everybody around the state's going to be thinking. So, uh, how do you sort of in, uh, instill that confidence in your guys? Yeah, I think that's just it. You know, it's it's one of those deals where it's an it's an understanding, especially for our older players, our seniors, that you know every week could be your last week, and you've got to attack it that way and and play your best football down the stretch and <clears throat> prepare. You know, and, and get yourself ready to go for Friday night. And you know, at that point, it's just go out and play and, and see where see where it lies, see where the chips fall, and and just go from there. So. Dave Broadhead, Helena High, the host building Skyview Friday night. Coach, we really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for joining us, and best of luck on Friday. You bet. Thanks for having me. Dave Broadhead, Helena High. I'm not going to say it's a turnaround because I expected them to be good. Sometimes the schedule just isn't in your favor. And, uh, I mean, it really wasn't an easy schedule in, in the West this year because, I, you know, I know Hellgate struggled. Flathead struggled. But the rest were pretty even. I, know, I mean, I know Big Sky is just a three-win team. They're the sixth seed. But they only lost by eight to Butte. And they had a... I mean, they, they were in that game all the way down to the end. And they only lost by uh, 13 points to, to Sentinel. And they were in that game all the way to the fourth quarter as well. So there really wasn't any gimmies. And so sometimes it's just like how you're playing, when you're playing, all that sort of stuff. But held a high four in a row to get up to that three seed. And uh, certainly... Uh, I thought they were going to be a contender before the season, and they are a contender, especially with a first-round playoff home game. So I appreciate Dan Bradhead for taking some time. We will preview the rest of the other first-round games, uh, particularly because two of them involve 
Missoula schools, Sentinel at Great Falls High and Big Sky at Billings West. So we'll do that on Friday as part of our uh, Garden City Spotlight. We'll also hear from a couple of the coaches from down in the Bitterroot leading up to the Class A and Class B playoffs, respectively. Bryce Carver, Pat Duchesne will each join us uh, as well. So plenty of high school football preview coverage as the playoffs begin this weekend uh, here on Nuanas Now. Give you a couple thoughts on what we think of this World Series matchup next. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. Now, ESPN Radio, appreciate you for kicking it with us here on this Wednesday. If you missed anything in the show today, you can always find it on the Nuanas Now podcast, probably presented by Blackbook Communications, the M Store, where they're all grizz all the time, and the MSU Bookstore. Visit msubookstore.org. Last night, despite my betting desires, how about the Arizona Diamondbacks? They're on to the World Series. I would have loved to know what the Diamondbacks' odds were to win the National League back in June or July. I, I promise you they weren't good. I mean, they were like an 80-something win team this year. They were overshadowed in their own division by, for sure, the Dodgers, for sure, the Padres, and probably even the Giants. And then they rallied and played really well down the stretch and uh, got hot in the wild card round and stayed hot, and they won Game 7 in Philly last night. What a great effort by them. Pretty dang impressive. Only the second World Series appearance in Arizona Diamondbacks history. I thought that was surprising. They had that great uh, run in the early 2000s. They won the World Series, obviously, when they had Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling. But uh, a couple ties to the Missoula Osprey, now the Missoula Paddleheads, but they've been uh, independently affiliated for the last couple years, so there is not really any ties to the World Series with this franchise. But the the former franchise known as the Osprey, Joe Mather, who was the uh, manager of the Osprey uh, for a couple of years, he's the hitting coach of the Diamondbacks. And Alec Thomas, who's one of the starting players of the Diamondbacks, he played here in Missoula. So we'll certainly try to get a local angle on the World Series upcoming, uh, but uh, should be an interesting one and certainly an unlikely matchup between Texas and Arizona. We'll be back at it tomorrow with a jam-packed lineup. We'll see you then. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.